0: Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm your host, Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today we have something particularly intriguing for all you finance and tech enthusiasts.
0: Yep. We'll be diving into a research paper titled Scalable Agent-Based Modeling for Complex Financial Market Simulations.
1: Hailing from the R.F. Smith School of Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering at Cornell University, Aaron Wheeler and Jeffrey D. Varner are behind this innovative study.
0: And trust us, they've done something truly fascinating with simulation in the wild world of financial markets. So, even if you're not a Wall Street whiz or a programming pro, stick with us.
1: We'll start with an intro to our topic to set the stage for you. Why is this paper significant, you ask?
0: Well, Jen, our entire modern society and the global economy hinge on the stability and function of financial markets. But these markets are dense jungles of complexity.
1: You said it, Tom, and here's the thing. While we have heaps of historical data, it's expensive to analyze. And there are just so many limitations.
0: Which brings us to the heroes of our tale, simulations. Simulations are like creating a sandbox version of these financial markets, where we can play with different scenarios without suffering real-world consequences.
1: Exactly, Tom. The ability to simulate markets is like gold for investors, regulators, and institutions. They can test out trading strategies, develop trading models, and observe policy changes before they're unleashed into the real world.
0: So, what Aaron Wheeler and Jeffrey D. Varner have done is crafted a computational framework allowing us to simulate large-scale agent-based financial markets.
1: We're talking multiple assets, tons of simulated agents, realistic auction matching engines all thanks to distributed computing.
0: That's right, and their work presents a baseline model that, believe it or not, captures known statistical properties of real markets, what they call stylized facts.
1: And they did this without fitting the models to historical data, which is like creating a delicious cake without looking at a recipe.
0: It's groundbreaking because it combines several elements for the first time. Multiple assets, parallel decision-making by agents, that continuous double auction format, and intelligent agent types in real time.
1: Hold up though, Tom. Before diving deeper, let's break down some complex vocab for our listeners. Agent-based models, or ABMs for short, are algorithms that simulate the actions of individual agents to assess their effects on an entire system.
0: Right? And when we say, heterogeneous agents, we mean these agents have different behaviors or strategies. It's like having a financial market party with every kind of guest you can imagine.
1: And distributed computing, put simply, is using a network of computers to run simulations faster and over larger scales.
0: And a double auction is a process where buyers and sellers submit prices they're willing to buy or sell at. And trades happen when these match up.
1: Don't forget stylized facts. These are patterns observed consistently across different markets and time frames. They're not laws, but rather general observations.
0: So this research is a big deal because it equips us with a realistic, versatile, and cost-effective tool for navigating the tsunami waves of the financial markets.
1: Our podcast today is pretty jam-packed. We'll bookmark that intro for now. Stay tuned as we launch into the core discussion of the research paper's objectives and methods and unravel the key findings and their implications.
0: And of course, we'll round out with a conclusion and share our reflections on the study's broader relevance so grab your gear financial market simulation is about to get wild are you tired of real markets with their unpredictable swings and oh so serious business folk well do we have the solution for you
1: introducing sima where your wildest financial dreams come to play without putting your wallet in harm's way
0: at simi We've mastered the art of turning complex market algorithms into an amusement park for your inner trader.
1: Our state-of-the-art simulation lets you bid, trade, and strategize with a variety of comical agents, from the overcaffeinated day trader to the astrology-obsessed investor.
0: Ever wanted to try trading stocks based on the whims of virtual cats? At SimuStock, that's just Tuesday.
1: With our advanced cloud-based tech, inspired by Cornell's finest, not only can you simulate a stock market, But you can witness cheese futures competing with cryptocurrency for absolute dairy domination.
0: So come on down to SimuStock, where the markets are fake, but the fun is as real as that feeling of regret from your last actual investment.
1: SimuStock, because why risk the real market when you can play it safe with pixels? Disclaimers, no actual wealth will be generated, but hey, no wealth gets annihilated either.
0: Investing has never been this whimsical or risk-free. Log on to Sime Stock now and let the mock markets begin. Welcome to today's episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today, we're diving into a critical issue affecting our healthcare system, specifically our nurses, through an informative discussion on the paper In the Line of Fire, a systematic review and meta-analysis of job burnout among nurses.
0: This paper, authored by Zara Ghassemi-Kuktape and her colleagues, provides a timely analysis of how the COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated the phenomenon of job burnout among nurses.
1: Before we delve into the paper in detail, let's set the stage. Job burnout is a state of physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion caused by prolonged exposure to workplace stress.
0: Nurses are particularly at risk due to the nature of their work, which involves high levels of emotional labor prolonged stress and often untenable workloads. The concept of burnout itself encompasses three dimensions, emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a sense of reduced personal accomplishment.
1: Now imagine this already intense scenario compounded by a global pandemic. COVID-19 increased demands on healthcare professionals exponentially, leading to what this paper investigates, an alarming spike in burnout rates among nurses.
0: The paper also examines key concepts like organizational commitment and turnover intentions, signaling the repercussions of burnout on healthcare institutions and patient care quality.
1: Moving into the core of the paper, the researchers adopted a rigorous methodological framework following the PRISMA 2020 guidelines, crucial for systematic reviews in the healthcare domain.
0: They utilized the Maslach Burnout Inventory, a specialized questionnaire for measuring job burnout across numerous studies sourced from PubMed, ScienceDirect, and Google Scholar, which led to quantifiable insights into the prevalence of burnout among nurses during the pandemic.
1: With a meticulous extraction and screening process executed by two independent reviewers, Data from these sources underscored that a striking 2.75% of nurses experienced job burnout during COVID 19.
0: And that's with a substantial confidence interval, ranging between 1.87% to 7.75%. These figures lay the foundation for the paper's recommendations for interventions to support nurse well being and healthcare quality improvement.
1: The implications of these findings are profound. The data highlights an acute need for policy interventions, improved working conditions, and additional support for nurses to mitigate the negative outcomes of burnout.
0: This includes increased absenteeism, turnover, and compromised patient care, underscoring the paper's broader significance. Supporting nurses is integral not just to their health, but to the quality of care patients receive and the healthcare system's stability.
1: In conclusion, Jen, this study's findings are a crucial call to action. It presents a compelling case for systemic change within healthcare settings to protect one of our most valuable resources, our nurses.
0: Absolutely, Tom. It's not just about the statistics, it's about the human stories behind them. As we reflect on this paper, we're reminded of the urgency and the moral imperative to act on the lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic to support our frontline healthcare workers.
1: Listeners, we hope this episode has provided you with both an understanding and an appreciation for the critical role nurses play, the challenges they face, and the changes needed to support them in these times of crisis and beyond.
0: Thank you, Jen, and thank you everyone for listening. We look forward to bringing you another insightful episode soon. Tired of the same old boring ways to manage job burnout.
1: Introducing Nurse Nirvana, the wackily effective solution for nurses on the brink.
0: Our patented giggle goggles let you see the world through laugh-tastic lenses, perfect for when the ward gets weird.
1: And don't forget the Scream Steam, a machine that converts your stress screams into soothing steam facials.
0: Screaming! With our anti-gloom balloons, your mood will soar as high as they do. Just don't let them pop near Mr. Johnson in room four.
1: Nurse Nirvana, because when the going gets tough, the tough get quirky.
0: Not sold in any stores, because let's face it, this is way too zany for retail. Call now and we'll throw in our exclusive Jive 4 drip. Dance your cares away with essential electrolyte elixirs.
1: So dial one 800 l nurse Nurse Nirvana, it's wacky care for serious wear.
0: Nurse Nirvana is not responsible for spontaneous ward dance-offs or fits of uncontrollable giggles during rounds. Side effects may include cheerfulness, job satisfaction, and a renewed love for nursing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to an exciting new episode of our award-winning podcast, where we dive deep into the world of science and technology.
1: And I'm Jen, and together we're going to unravel the complexities of a fascinating new paper titled, A Hypothesis Test for the Long-Term Calibration in Rating Systems with Overlapping Time Windows.
0: Now this might sound a bit daunting at first, but trust us, by the end of this episode, you'll not only understand it, but you might also find it incredibly interesting.
1: Absolutely, Tom. So let's start by setting the stage. Why is this paper significant in its field? Well, the paper deals with rating systems, which are used by financial institutions to assess credit risk.
0: Right? And these systems help banks and other lenders determine the likelihood that a borrower will default on their loan, which is an essential part of financial risk management.
1: But what makes this paper special is its focus on long-term calibration with overlapping time windows in rating systems. Long-term calibration refers to how well the rating system predicts defaults over an extended period.
0: And the novelty here is the use of overlapping time windows, which can introduce certain correlation effects that make calibration more complex.
1: Now, before we go further, we need to clarify some key concepts and terminology. When they talk about default rate, they're referring to the percentage of borrowers who fail to meet their loan obligations.
0: Yes. And when they discuss the normal distribution, they're talking about a common way to represent the probabilities of different outcomes, often referred to as the bell curve.
1: As for random effects in default realization, it's a way of accounting for the randomness in whether or not a borrower will default.
0: The term correlation effects refers to how the overlap in these time windows can influence the default rates, making them more or less likely to be accurate.
1: And when they mention unknown distribution of default probabilities they're highlighting the uncertainty around the likelihood of defaults across different borrowers
0: exactly so the researchers behind this paper patrick kurth max nendel and jan striker aim to develop a hypothesis test that could be used to verify that these rating systems are calibrated correctly despite these challenges
1: moving into the core of the paper the authors first argue that the long-run default rate would approximately follow a normal distribution when considering the random effects in how defaults actually occur.
0: They then dive into a detailed analysis of the correlation effects introduced by these overlapping time windows, which is quite crucial since these effects can distort the measurement of the default rate.
1: The authors work on solving the issue of having an unknown distribution for the likelihood of borrowers defaulting. This is key because you can't accurately calibrate the system if you don't know the chances of default.
0: They propose a range of methods for a conservative calibration test. By conservative, they mean erring on the side of caution, which is absolutely essential in the financial world.
1: Moreover, they extend their analysis from individual rating grades to the portfolio level, suggesting ways to adapt the test statistic to consider a whole group of loans, rather than just individual ones.
0: In terms of the implications and applications of their findings, this test has the potential to improve the accuracy of credit risk assessments, which could have a major impact on financial stability.
1: By ensuring that rating systems are properly calibrated, financial institutions can avoid the kind of systemic risks that contributed to past financial crises. A well-calibrated system means more accurate predictions of defaults leading to better lending decisions overall.
0: And to wrap things up in our conclusion, today we dug into a study that deals with an advanced topic in financial risk management.
1: The authors Kurth, Nendel, and Stryker have developed a hypothesis test that tackles the challenges posed by overlapping time windows in the calibration of rating systems.
0: They took a complex problem, dissected it with statistical analysis, offered a robust solution, and in doing so have contributed significantly to the field of credit risk assessment.
1: And even if you're not a financial whiz, understanding the importance of accurate risk prediction models is something that affects us all, whether it's through the rates we pay on loans or the stability of our financial systems.
0: It's been a pleasure discussing this brilliant piece of work with you. This has been Tom
1: and Jen saying thank you for tuning into our Deep Dive podcast episode. Stay curious, question the obvious, and never stop learning.
0: Until next time. Hungry for a slice of calibrating action?
1: Craving a crunch that breaks not just the silence, but also the market's uncertainty?
0: Then you need... Drumroll, please.
1: Statistic crisps.
0: That's right. The world's first snack with flavors calibrated to your taste buds' default rate.
1: With Statistic crisps... Every bite is an unpredictable delight, filled with extreme flavors that fluctuate within our overlapping seasoning windows.
0: Do you adore garlic? Well, sometimes you'll get a chip with a gentle hint of garlic.
1: And other times, a chip so intensely garlicky, it's like a vampire's worst nightmare on a sunlit beach.
0: Statistic Crisps uses advanced long-term calibration to assure that each bag is unpredictably balanced.
1: And for our financially savvy customers, We've included collectible risk factor cards in each bag.
0: Will you pull out the high-yield chili lemon or the junk bond jalebi flavor?
1: It's a mouthful of fun and randomness with every snack session.
0: Find Statistic Crisps now at your local store in the fiscal responsibility aisle.
1: Statistic Crisps, where your appetite meets applied statistics. Disclaimer, side effects may include sudden urges to calculate probabilities, and a renewed sense of financial awareness.
0: Get crunching and number crunching with statistic crisps.
1: While supplies last, not responsible for overcalibrated taste expectations.
0: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of our Enlightening Podcast. I'm your host, Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today, we're diving into an intriguing subject that intersects faith with corporate ethics. The paper we're discussing is does religiosity influence corporate greenwashing behavior
0: this research is groundbreaking because it tackles an unexplored territory in academic literature linking religious adherence a deeply personal and societal matter with corporate greenwashing a deceitful manipulation of a company's environmental image
1: before we dive into the details it's essential to understand that greenwashing is the practice where companies misrepresent their environmental efforts to appear more sustainable than they are. Such actions are detrimental to consumers, investors, and wider society.
0: The study is significant because it could potentially reshape how we consider religious influence on economic activities. If faith impacts corporate ethics, this opens a dialogue about the power of societal norms over business practices.
1: Absolutely, Tom. The key concept here is religious adherence, referring to how committed a community is to religious beliefs and practices. The expectation is that higher religious adherence could instill stronger ethical standards, influencing corporate behavior, such as the propensity to greenwash.
0: Now let's get into the core of this fascinating study. The researchers examined U.S. firms over a period from 2005 to 2019, using a measure they termed Selective Disclosure They could pinpoint whether a firm was likely greenwashing by comparing disclosed positive environmental actions against undisclosed negative ones.
1: Right, Tom. They quantitatively showed a clear trend where firms in counties with higher religious adherence had lower occurrences of greenwashing. This suggests that the social norms influenced by religion might discourage corporations from engaging in deceptive practices.
0: For methodology... They implemented various statistical models and controls to assure the validity of their findings. These ranged from logistical regressions to robustness checks, ensuring that the observed effects were genuinely attributed to the religious context of a firm's location.
1: Moving on to implications, Tom, this paper emphasizes the possible role of religion as an informal regulatory influence in business. If religious adherence can indeed foster better corporate behavior it suggests avenues for policy formation and ethical investment strategies
0: as we conclude today's journey through these insights let's acknowledge the paper's message societal norms and values have the power to shape corporate behavior potentially reducing unethical practices
1: it leaves us pondering the broader relevance if organizations reflect the ethical standards of their surrounding society Integrating ethical considerations in business could benefit from a deeper appreciation of local cultural and religious norms.
0: Join us next time for another deep dive into the relationship between societal forces and corporate conduct. Thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. Till our next thought-provoking session, goodbye.
1: And goodbye from me, too. Keep those minds open and those ethics strong. (laughs)
0: Have you ever picked up a product, seen that eco-friendly label, and thought, hmm, is this really saving the planet? Or is this just corporate hogwash?
1: Well, worry no more. Introducing Holy Greenometer, the company born from the insightful data of that riveting research paper on religiosity and greenwashing.
0: No longer do you have to wonder if your toilet paper is truly tree-friendly, or your soap is sincerely saving the seals. The Holy Greenometer scans the product, Checks its corporate origins and tells you if it's as pure as a saint or fishy like yesterday's tuna.
1: Each product gets our patented pious points, scored by real data, real research, and maybe even a sprinkle of holy water for good measure.
0: So let your moral compass rest easy and trust in the Holy Greenometer. It's the righteous way to shop green.
1: Disclaimer Holy Water not included. Keep your compass and your conscience clear with Holy Greenometer. Shop sanctified, folks.
0: Welcome, dear listeners, to our latest episode. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today, we're diving deep into a hot topic, optimal strategies for the decumulation of retirement savings under differing appetites for liquidity and investment risks by Benjamin Avanzia and Louis Felice from the Center for Actuarial Studies at the University of Melbourne.
0: It's a riveting subject, Jen. This paper addresses an essential yet thorny issue that nearly all retirees must confront, the decumulation problem. How do you spread your savings across the unpredictable span of retirement?
1: Exactly. William Sharpe, a Nobel laureate, even called this the nastiest, hardest problem in finance. The uncertainty in lifespan, health status, and market volatility are just a few complexities that retirees face.
0: So what the authors are investigating in this paper are the different appetites for risk, specifically investment risk and liquidity risk. How much risk are retirees willing to take with their investments versus how much access they want to their funds at any given time?
1: We're used to the notion of varying risk appetites in general, but this paper suggests that a retiree's preference concerning different types of risks can majorly influence the choice of optimal decumulation strategy.
0: And that brings us to a puzzling observation. Despite the logical appeal of annuities, financial products that offer a guaranteed stream of income for life, many retirees shy away from them. This phenomenon is known as the annuity puzzle, and it's highly relevant to this paper's findings.
1: Before we dissect the paper further, let's clarify some terms for our audience. Decumulation refers to the process of converting retirement savings into a stream of income. Risk aversion is a measure of a person's or entity's aversion to taking risks. Annuities are financial products that provide a fixed stream of payments to an individual, typically used as an income stream for retirees.
0: With those definitions out of the way, let's discuss the research objectives, shall we?
1: Absolutely. The researchers aim to create a framework that determines the optimal decumulation strategy based on the goals of retirees And their differing appetites for key financial risks
0: to achieve this they examine a wide range of strategies that go beyond traditional annuities or stock portfolios from there they meticulously define risks such as liquidity risk the need for a significant withdrawal at uncertain times like entering long-term care or assisting a family member
1: the methodology the authors use is a blend of actuarial science and economic theory which allows them to consider a retiree's entire life cycle. They integrate stochastic processes. These are random events that can't be precisely predicted to model the investment returns and longevity outcomes.
0: And what they find is fascinating. Their results suggest that accounting for these differing risk appetites greatly influences the retiree's strategy choices, which supports the real-world observations in annuity markets like Australia's
1: it has profound implications. By acknowledging varying risk preferences, financial institutions could tailor retirement products to be more attractive while promoting the sustainability of tax and pension systems.
0: But let's remember the complexity of this problem, Jen. There's a balance between the need for financial security and the desire for flexibility, which changes as retirees age.
1: So in summary, the paper is pioneering that it looks at retirees not just as a monolithic group with a singular risk aversion profile, but as a diverse set with unique attitudes towards various risks.
0: Recapping the journey we just went on, Avanzia and defaliche guide us through the treacherous terrain of retirement finance. They tease apart the elements that contribute to decision-making in selecting decumulation strategies, elements that, until now, may have been underestimated Overlooked.
1: And they leave us with a sense that as the financial industry evolves, so too must our understanding of human behavior in the face of risk.
0: That brings us to the close of today's episode. It's been a pleasure, Jen.
1: As always, Tom, until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and let's keep unraveling the mysteries of complex economic systems together. Goodbye, everyone.
0: Hey, listeners. Ever feel like retirement planning is kind of like navigating a dark room full of Legos? Barefoot? Ouch, Tom.
1: But what if we told you there's now a light at the end of that dark, Lego-filled room?
0: Introducing Retirement Rhapsody, the company born from the genius of Avanzia and DeFelicia's decumulation strategies.
1: With Retirement Rhapsody, planning for your golden years is as fun as a spontaneous karaoke night. No more boring financial jargon. They turn your risks and income into a harmony you can dance to.
0: Want to splurge on a jet ski? Retirement Rhapsody says, let's find the cash without sinking your financial boat.
1: Worried about market dips? They've got cushions so comfy, not even a bear market could disrupt your beauty sleep.
0: And for those who love annuities, like cats love cardboard boxes, Retirement Rhapsody has got an assortment you'll want to curl up in
1: so say adieu to retirement blues and hello to retirement rhapsody where your nest eggs growth charts look less like a scary roller coaster and more like a smooth jazz wave
0: retirement rhapsody turn your financial frowns upside down and your retirement savings into your personal money symphony disclaimers apply terms notes and conditions may be set to music